So today is week two, and today we're going to be talking about how God with us brings love, love that is unconditional, love that is limitless, and love beyond all measure. Now this word love is something that we use in our English language on many, many different fronts. We can say we love a cheeseburger, to we love a cat, to we love our spouse and children. And love can take so many different definitions. And the word love is not the only word in English or even in other languages that we might say but mean many different things by it. There's many words in English that mean different things depending on the context or the spelling. Think about the word lie. Lie can mean a mineral that's mixed in with concrete Lie can mean not telling the truth. Lie can mean to lie down. So we have many different definitions of lie depending on the context. Or if you think about the word pear. Pear can be a piece of fruit or it can be two of something. So you can go to the store and get a pair of pears in our language. Or if you think about even how Language affects so many things. So we can have a definition of something in our mind, but in reality, how it's interpreted and translated even to others can be something different. When I moved to England, I thought I understood English, but I actually understood American English, not British English. And if you know a little bit about England, they have different definitions of words than we have. So two that I stumbled across were pants and trousers, or pants and uh, suspenders, When I moved to England, I thought pants were these, these physical things that we could see and take a look at right here that I'm wearing right now, but actually they call these trousers. In England, pants are women's panties, okay? And and then I also thought that um, suspenders, these things that you put over your shoulders and attach to your pants, were these things on the outside. No, in England, those are called braces, And suspenders are what goes between a woman's stocking and her lingerie. So if I walked up to somebody and said, you know, I went out shopping today and I found a brand new pair of pants and suspenders, they'd be thinking something completely different than what I was thinking. And often our language can affect and our interpretation and understanding of language affect what we really understand to be true. So when we take our own personal definition of love, we will easily translate that into other things. We'll translate that into how we love others, how we love God, how we understand and give and receive love. So it's important to go back and say, what is it that actually defines love when it comes to God? And I believe God loves without limits. That God loves without limits. He has a limitless love for us. That there's nothing that can change his love for us, nothing that stops his love for us, that his love is without limits. But often we can have different definitions of love that hinder us from understanding and receiving God's love. So here's a couple definitions or misrepresentations of love that happen in a normal basis in our life. The first one is called if love. And this can be described, I love you if you do something. I love you if you act a certain way. I love you if you dress a certain way. I love you if you have certain qualities. 
And if love says if you perform, if you're successful, if you're likable, then I will love you. Right alongside this is because love. I love you because of something. I love you because of something you have done, something you will do. I love you because you're lovable. You have a great personality. I love you because you're like me. And every single one of us has if love and because love in our love. And this would be defined as conditional love. And conditional love is love that is based off of something that you will do, you have done, or something that you possess. That's something you will do, have done, or you will possess. So saying there's conditions to the love that I give or I'm going to receive. Now, most of us have a probably better view of ourselves than we really are. So you probably look at ourselves and think, you know, I, I, I love unconditionally. I have some unconditional love in my life. And as I evaluate my own life, I can see that even when I try to love unconditionally, I have conditions to my love. If I think about how I love my children, I would love to be able to say, I love them unconditionally. But I know within me there's some if and because love at times. Or just look at one of the most sacred moments for many people in their lives, the wedding day and standing there in front of a spouse giving vows to one another. I've been at many weddings and I've performed a good amount of weddings. And usually the vows have some form of, I will love you, I'm committed to you in sickness and in health and richer and in poor, to death do we part. But I've never been at a wedding where I heard, I'm going to love you unconditionally through your addictions to pornography and, and alcohol and drugs. I'm going to love you when you abandon my family and leave our kids and family in shambles. I'm going to continue to love me when you cheat on me with somebody and completely break our marriage vows. I'm going to continue to love you unconditionally. Have you ever been to a wedding and heard something like that? No. No, none of us have been. But in a sense, we wouldn't say that at a wedding. But in a sense, if you dig below the layers, we're actually many times at our wedding making an agreement with somebody and saying, I'm going to love you if or because. I'm going to love you if you continue to act the way that you've been acting with me. I'm going to love you because you are very lovable right now. Look at you in that pretty dress or incredible suit. And if we really dig underneath the surface, we see that much of our love is based off of if and because. And then we look at God. And we look at and we hear God loves you unconditionally. God doesn't put anything on it. No matter what you do, God loves you. And no, no wonder it's hard to really comprehend and understand the limitless love of God for us. So where in God's word do we find this limitless love that he has for us. Well, fortunately, we don't have to look in just one passage. It's all across Scripture. We don't have to try to dig real deep to find this. It is written again and again about his limitless love. And we don't have time to cover every passage, but we're going to take a look at one. And it's in the book of John. And the book of John on the Bible timeline is under Gospels. And this is one of four narratives of Jesus' life right at the beginning of the New Testament. 
And we're going to take a look in chapter 3 if you have a Bible or if you want to take it out on the Version app or grab the notes from the seat back. But we're going to take a look at John chapter 3. To kind of set the stage, at the beginning of John chapter 3, Jesus has this man come to him. His name's Nicodemus. He's a religious Jewish leader called a Pharisee. And he comes to Jesus under the cover of night, probably not wanting to really let anybody see him. And he comes and asks Jesus a question. But Jesus redirects the whole conversation and tells Nicodemus, unless you're born again, you can't receive the kingdom of God. And then he goes on to state in John 3, 16, which many of you are familiar with, these words. For God, for this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. Right away at the beginning of that verse, you see, this is how God loves. So you can see that the verse is setting it up to actually explain how God loves. God isn't just simply saying, I love you. We can look at this verse and dig in and see in what ways, how is it that God loves? And so let's see how this passage answers it. First, it says that God's limitless love, he loves by loving the world. Now, this word world here does not mean the physical planet. God definitely cares about creation. He is the one that created it all. But when we read this verse, it is not an environmental statement. It is a statement about all people in all times, that God loves everyone the same. For Nicodemus, this would have probably been a little bit shocking but because he would look at it from a Jewish perspective that he is a chosen people of God. They are a special people and potentially more loved by God. And we can even get into that mindset of thinking that God potentially loves us more than somebody else. But here it says God loves the world. You go to the deepest, darkest hole in whatever country you can imagine and find the most abandoned child, and God loves that child as much as you. You go to the worst violent prison, to the worst, worst violent criminal in that prison that you think is unredeemable, and God loves that criminal as much as he loves you. You think about the person that you cannot stand or the politician or the ethnic group or the gender or whatever you want to pull out and you find the worst of the worst in your mind and God loves that person as much as he loves you. I heard a person once say that whoever you love the least, that love you have for that least is how much you really love God. Ouch. But the statement here says God loves the world. All people, through all of time, no limits to his love. Next we begin to read on it. It says God loves without limits by giving sacrificially. It says this is how God loved the world. By giving his one and only son. We're in the season of gift giving. Many of you are going to give gifts. Many of you are going to receive gifts. And a gift, by definition, should be given without any strings attached. But all of us know, you show up at family gatherings and you're like, you know, I wonder what my brother, cousin is going to get for me. And i got to get something kind of comparable. And many times we walk into social settings and we're trying, we're giving gifts with kind of strings attached. It's not freely given. 
There's an expectation of something in return, but a true gift is given without any expectation of anything in return. And Jesus was the gift of God for us. That word give there in this section actually means to give sacrificially. It's not simply this small little token gift. It is a sacrificial gift. And this gift costs something immense. All of us have received gifts that have cost nothing. We do a white elephant gift for the leadership here every year where people gather stuff and then we exchange it. And you can tell, and white elephants are supposed to be funny and whatever. You don't need to put a lot of thought into it. But some people, you can tell, really put thought even to a white elephant gift. And others, you kind of feel like they took their counter on the way out and just dumped it in a box and was like, whatever's in there, they're good. But Jesus, but when God sent Jesus, it was not the shallow, unthought-about gift that cost him nothing. He gave his one and only son. And God experienced loss on a deep, deep level as he simply gave the most precious gift of his son to us. And he didn't give this gift saying that we deserved it, that we earned it, that somehow he looked at you and said, you know, you're really one that deserves my son. No, he gave it because he understood that none of us deserve it. The way it puts it in Romans chapter 5 is like this. When we were utterly helpless, we, all of us, when we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. Not those sinners Not them sinners, us sinners. Now most people would not be willing to die for an upright person, though someone might perhaps be willing to die for a person who's especially good. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. This is not somebody else. This is you and I. That first line is so important. When you were utterly helpless, when you were like a turtle flipped on its back without any possibility of any sustainable life unless somebody came along and flipped you back over, God came along and said, you have no possible way to come back into relationship with me. You have no possible way to be made right with me. While you were a sinner, you dirty sinners. <laughs> I always wanted to say that in front of the church. <laughs> but the reality is, all of us, all of us are dirty sinners. Utterly helpless in front of God. And he came and he demonstrated his great love for us. Not that we deserved it, not that we observed it, not that you were the sharpest pencil in the box. You had nothing going for you. And he died for you. God showed and demonstrated his limitless love for you by giving sacrificially. And God loves you without limits by 
inviting us individually into real life. In John 3.16, it says, Everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. That word everyone there does not mean all y'all considered together, but it includes everyone, but it, it gets into this idea of everybody individually. That he is saying, everyone, when I look at you individually, you need to believe in me, but also I see you individually. That God looks at you, your struggles, your pain, your suffering, your sin, and he says, I see you. And I see that you need me. I see that if you believe in me, you will not perish. That idea of perish is eternal separation from God, under the condemnation of God, cast off from God. It says, but no, if you believe in me, you're not going to be cast off from God. You are going to be welcomed into life and life eternal. And that life eternal begins now. It's not something for the future. This isn't just talking about heaven. It's saying now you can have the abundant life that Christ wants for you. That you don't have to wait for some future date. That right here and right now, he has promised life to every single one of us if we simply believe in him. That is the hope that we hold on to, that God loves without limits. That there's no limits to his extravagant love. That he loves the whole world. Every single person. That he loves without limits by giving sacrificially of his son for all of us. And he loves by inviting us individually and saying, if you believe in me, you will have life and life eternal. Now you might be thinking right now, if you have been around church for a while, I've heard the verse, I've heard this message. This is nothing new to me. Um, Mark, couldn't you come up with something new or original? (laughs) And that's the danger. Isn't it that we can move on from these simple things? Or we can understand them here, but not really have had the penny drop to here? That we know, supposedly, that God loves us, but have you experienced the love of God in your life? I believe that we need to experience God's love, not just cognitively, not just from the shoulders up, but understand it on a whole new level, completely in our whole lives. There's been a couple moments in my life where I've encountered the love of God, and I can tell you every time that I've encountered the love of God for me or for somebody else, it has transformed my life. I remember when I first came back to Christ, what brought me back to Christ was the love of God. I encountered God's love for me, not his guilt, not his condemnation, not the need for repentance. I experienced the love of God. And that propelled me forward in my faith. And things began, began to change in my life because God loved me and I, I was experiencing this overwhelming love of God and why wouldn't I want to live the way he wanted me to live because of his love for me? I remember another time while I was in Mexico helping at an orphanage, sitting down next to this little boy named Nestor and God overwhelmed me with his love for this one little cast-off boy in Mexico. And I broke down and I just wept. I I couldn't even handle the amount of love God had for this one little boy that basically the world had abandoned. 
And then in that moment, God was speaking to me and he said, this is how much I love the world. You just got a taste of my love for one. But this is how much I love the world. And I believe if we begin to even grasp a thimbleful of God's extravagant love in our lives, it's going to be transformative on so many levels. In the book of Ephesians, Paul has this prayer for spiritual empowerment, and it talks about the love of God. And listen to this prayer. Because it's not just about knowing the love of God, it is about experiencing the love of God in your life. And Paul prays this, and this is a prayer that you can take for yourself. You can put your name in there. You can pray it on a daily basis for a while if you've never experienced the love of God. And it's not just about going through a prayer. It's about chewing on it, meditating it, understanding it, and saying, God, help me to grasp this beyond mental and on a deeper level, your love for me. And Paul prays this for the the church in Ephesus. I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources, he will empower you with his inner strength through his spirit. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand as all God's people should. This is for all God's people, not the spiritually elite, not the special Christians, not the ones who have gone up to the mountain and encountered Jesus. This is for all of us. May all May you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. You can see the mind-blowing nature of the love of God, that may you experience it even though you can't comprehend it. You experience it even though you can't wrap your brain around it. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. When we understand the love of God, when we experience the love of God, then, it says, we'll be made complete with all the fullness and life of life and power that comes from God. And my hope and prayer is simply this for you this morning. Be rooted in God's limitless love for you. Be rooted in God's limitless love for you. I do wonder, for each one of us, when was the last time you experienced the limitless love of God? It's easy to begin to believe that our faith is just about knowing something here and not experiencing it in our lives. And I believe it's a both end. And each one of us probably shifts one direction. Some can shift more towards up here, some can shift more towards down here, but I believe we need both in conjunction with one another. That we both know and experience the love of God. So as we finish up here, we're actually going to do two songs instead of one. Wow, that's pretty, taking a risk. Woo! Stepping out there. Um, but I would just like you to take a moment and ask God to help you not just to comprehend his love here,
but to experience it in your life. We need the power of God in our lives. We need God's manifest presence in our lives. And I believe as we experience God's love, according to Ephesians, he will make us full and empowered and overflowing with all that he has for us. And it's easy to forget. I'm not riding off my past experiences with God. I want to experience him new and afresh today. So let's pray, and my hope is that you would experience Christ and his love for you without limits in these few moments here. Father God, we have not come to a system of religious thought. We have come to you, Jesus. We have come to one who has died for us, who has demonstrated your sacrificial love for us, and we are, we are called into relationship with the living God to experience this love of God that's beyond limits. And I pray, God, as we just simply take these moments, may you help us to come to you with arms and hearts and lives wide open that we could experience the fullness of life and power that only comes through knowing and experiencing your love. In Jesus' name, amen.